Hello and welcome to Terrace Truth Talking. I'm Joanna Bonaro, and today I decided to create a new category for our special guest because when I thought of her, she's a true Renaissance woman, and uh, I just thought when I think of this woman, I think about how to flourish with finesse and flair. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Maureen Van Zandt. Thank you. Welcome. Hello, Joanne. I feel I should leave now because you've um, built me up so beautifully. I don't think I could ever live up to that. No, no, but, definitely. But it's great to be here and great to see you as always. Thank you. Thank you. So um, on the, uh, I'm just going to give a little preface to our listeners. Of course. Because I figured for flourishing, which is kind of a new category in my the seven F's of living, or I should say 77 at this point. All right. <laughs> uh, and the new category is flourish. And I was thinking about you know, how you flourish, how we all flourish as women in our 40s, 50s, and 60s. And um, holistically, uh, I looked it up, and I think it's on point. Um, The aim is to use all of our creative powers and talents and skills into creating beautiful, and I added the word, enriching experiences for yourself, oneself, and also others. That's perfect. Thank you. So with that kind of theme in mind, okay. um, you are such a Renaissance woman to me. I thought I would copy Quentin Tarantino and say, once upon a time, <laughs> there was a little girl in New Jersey who started to flourish by dancing. Yes, I was uh, a little girl in Newark, New Jersey, and... Um, I always loved music more than anything. I went to dance class because my best friend went. I didn't really have any thoughts about it. I went. Uh, we both took ballet and tap. I was terrible at tap. I was great at ballet. She quit the first day. I fell in love with it, and, and I stayed. That's wonderful. You know, I always wanted to be a ballerina growing up. I don't even have the bone structure for it. But it used to be, I'll age myself now, at like 4.30 on Channel 13, they used to have all of the, the ballets. On oh, yeah. The yes. And the, I was transfixed. So we would eat dinner at 5.30, and everyone would be saying, Joanna, Joanna, it's time to eat dinner. And, and no way were you moving me from that TV. I was just watching the ballet. Yes, I mean, it's it's a fairy tale world, and it's so easy to get caught up in that. So see, everything is beautiful at the ballet. Yes, it's true, yes, right? Yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. So um, you're Italian, Italian-American. I am, yes. And so your parents, at least at the beginning, you know, helped you with your with your artistic, creative, flourishing pursuit? Uh, the, the truth is my, my parents, um, my, my mother is a very creative person, but not entertainment-oriented at all, not, nor was my father. Um, they didn't discourage me, but they didn't really encourage me. I think they thought I was kind of a strange little girl <laughs> who liked to draw and paint and listen to music in my room and and, and do my ballet classes. I, I wasn't one for going out in the streets and playing with the other, although I did do it because, mm-hmm. you know, was that was the 50s and that's what we did. But uh, the person I would say who probably influenced me the most, again, not an artist, was my grandfather, who used to take me. He loved going to Broadway shows, so oh. he used to take me. No one else wanted to go with him, and he'd take me. So I got to see West Side Story when I was seven years old and, you know, saw Cheetah Rivera and thought, oh, my God, you know, I want to do that. I'll never be able to do that, but I, I want to do that. So that's uh, kind of what started you on your yeah, creative I, path. Yes, I, I really wanted to be in musical theater, but I was not a great singer. So I thought, okay, you know, I really, the dancing is something I I, I love more and it suits me better. So I I went on that path. And I think once you told me that uh, you've, I mean, you performed professionally as a young child in the ballet and you were, what were you in? You were in the... A Christmas? Which which, which company? No, not the company. Well, well you can tell nut- us what company. Well, Nutcracker. The Nutcracker, right? Always. But, you know, yeah. I, I danced with the Garden State Ballet. That was where I, I studied more seriously. I started out in just a little local Miss whatever dance school. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> the name, but... Um, and Connie Francis was also studying there. She was older than me, but she was, uh, she was, I guess, a teenager and was studying singing, I think, in the same school in, in Newark, New Jersey. But, but and then I, I ended up studying at the Garden State uh, Ballet School, ended up dancing with them, worked with American Ballet Theater, the Metropolitan Opera Ballet. Wow. And, you know, 
kind of that's, that's very that, exciting. That's yeah. very impressive for a, a younger woman, you know. And yeah, the thing is with with that career, it starts very young. Yes. Usually, you start performing. I mean, if you're joining a company, you could be joining a company at age 15, and then by 30, you may be done because yes. of the injuries and the toll it takes on your body and, sure. and all like that. Athletes. So it's yeah, yeah, it's a very, um, very limited career. Yeah, you know, unless you but fulfilling. drag it, drag it. Oh, absolutely, but yeah. And yeah. it's something that stays with you your whole life. I mean, that discipline you learn, that that love of beauty, it does stay with you. And you know, I've continued to to take ballet class my entire life until very recently, you know, because of an injury, but. It's it's something that just became you know after I stopped doing it professionally it became my daily meditation. It was a place in the world where I could just go and escape and be away from everything and be in another world and and I think we all need that in our well, lives. I, I think you're right because I was going to say to you I know that you you know every once in a while you still get up and dance. I mean I just saw you at at Steve, the Disciples of Soul concert. Oh boy, go going. Well, that's just and, pure embarrassment yeah. at this point. No, but it's not. but you know I I did do go go dancing when I was younger as well because. Um, when we were in in the ballet companies, they would pretty much lay you off in the summer, so okay. we'd have to find other work. So I would sometimes work as a go-go girl. I, would, I worked as a model in the garment center. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that, summer-type gigs, just to, you know, to, to do something interesting in between. Well, I, I actually... Um, I, I, I actually discovered a few things when I was looking some things up from you, and you've been on a Darlene Love um, video, dancing... Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a few years ago. Uh, my husband, Stephen, produced really what's her first record at age 72. I mean, she's, you know, obviously a legend and has performed with everybody on earth and recorded with everybody. Elvis and did all the, you know, many of the Phil Spector great classic records that you know that's Darlene Love's voice and people just, it's just not listed right. as Darlene Love but um, anyway we've gotten friendly with her over the years Stephen has worked with her a but lot. you dance that's the whole thing is you keep on dancing. That's yes great. and I keep on dancing and she did a video a few years ago of, of a song that Elvis Costello wrote and and they asked me to do the choreography and I ended up just dancing in a little bit just for fun and uh, it was great so I, I'll still do it I mean as long as my, my hips and my, my knees hold out I'll, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> Well, I think it's important to show that you know what we find in our lives, even if it's at a young age, don't give it up. If it's fulfilling to you and it gives you enjoyment, keep on pursuing it one way or another. Exactly. I mean, I don't believe that, you know, at a certain age, you have to stop doing anything. You know, it's like they say to women, no, you shouldn't have long hair after a certain age. You shouldn't have bangs after a certain age. I think you do what makes you feel good. Yeah. And if, you know, if you want to do ballet class when you're 65, 70 years old, and I've had students that are that age, do it. If you can do it physically, I mean, it's just, there, there's nothing that it can do except enhance your life. Right. And I think it's just, it's finding that, that joy. That I think is important. Doing something where, uh, even physically, not you're you're enjoying your body, but also then mentally and emotionally, it's bringing you some sort of fulfillment. Yeah, and that's all that counts. Exactly, it all works together. Even if you can't dance five steps, you know, you just go there and you do it and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. So, I'll segue a little bit. From okay. And talk about music, because you. Uh, when did your love of music begin? I, I know that at one point you had a six-foot Elvis cutout. Or <laughs> oh, yeah, he disappeared. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved music from when I, I was a, a little girl. Um, my um, My uncle... Mario used to supply the jukeboxes in New Jersey with all the singles. So every Sunday he'd come to our house and he'd bring a huge box of singles. So I had every record imaginable. And this was like Christmas to me. Every Lucky Sunday you. I'd wait for him to come. So I just would play. From when I was really, really young, I'd play all the stuff. And then I had a babysitter who was an Elvis freak. Oh. So she'd play Elvis every time she babysat me. And I kind of just fell in love with, with rock and roll and with, you know, with music in general. Oh, that's wonderful. So yeah. you so you love Elvis, and and I think I read somewhere that you love the Beatles, and you had a crush on a different guy than I had a crush on. Who did you have a crush on? In the oh, Beatles? my Beatles crush was George Harrison. George Harrison. He still is. Okay. Uh, are you a Paul McCartney girl? <laughs> Paul McCartney. I could tell. I yeah. can tell. Yeah. All, yeah. all of my good girlfriends, Paul McCartney lovers, so it was oh, good okay. because it, we didn't have to fight. You didn't have to fight. We didn't have to fight. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Beatles really kind of changed my life. They, they just brought so much joy. You know, it was... 
the year that that JFK had been assassinated, and and you know, it was very shocking for you know young people to experience that, and the yeah. whole country I think was in a sort of depression. And the Beatles, you know, came a month or two later, and they just brought joy. You know, yeah. there was something different. I fell in love with their music. I you know would sneak into New York to go to their concerts. I I, I got to see them a number of times, which I I just. I, I can't believe it. You know, when I tell people that now, they're like, "What? You saw the Beatles?" I'm I like, can't... "Yes, I am that old." No, no, but, no. but I was a teenager, and uh, you know, that's something that I, I cherish forever. I think that's a wonderful life experience. You have some extraordinary life experiences, Maureen. I've had some crazy things happen. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. Um, so wait, what was your first concert? What was the first concert then that you went to? It wasn't was it a Beatles concert or? Um, I, I think maybe where I sort of went on my own, and well, I wasn't supposed to be going on my own, but, but I did, <laughs> was probably the Beatles. But I know uh, when I was about nine, maybe, I talked my father into taking me to the Dick Clark show in Philadelphia. I mean, that's oh. how crazy I was. And so that was the I first... Dick Clark. I remember Dick Clark. Yeah, yeah, so I think that was the first time I got... I saw Fabian, I remember, <gasps> Jackie Wilson. Oh, my Because it was a variety show. And, there were, and so I think that was probably the first in-person show, uh, performers that, that I saw, aside from Broadway people. But I think those are about the, you know, the first musical or rock and roll performers. And then I'm guessing, yeah, the Beatles probably was. So not a bad way to uh, initiate your, your concert career. <laughs> so um, I'm looking at all my notes here. and But you also, it's very impressive. You got into the High School of Performing Arts. Yes. And that was for ballet? It was for dance. It was for dance. Yeah, the dance department. Well, it was ballet. I was a ballet dancer, but we had to do all kinds of dance and, and learn how to do makeup for dance and dance history and plus all the academic stuff. It was a tough school. I was going to say, it's not an easy school. To- no, academically, it was very tough. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of us thought, oh, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to just dance all day. And uh-uh. it, it, was, it was a tough school. But again, the discipline was, was really really great and it was wonderful to be around other creative kids because when I was in school um, you know in in Newark I I did go to an arts high school there uh, for a very short time but anywhere else I went I was not uh, surrounded by people that I felt I fit in with I always Mm -hmm. felt a misfit so when I was there I felt that there were you know kindred spirits and it made me really feel more comfortable more creative yeah I can understand that I mean I was considered me the good girl in life was considered the black sheep of the family because I wanted to be an actress which is so strange when you think about me and my personality well you know we come from the Italian American family so that that's how it is I mean my my father was like okay so you'll dance for a while and then you'll just marry some guy you know when you finish with that like that's just like a fun hobby for you and then after that you'll just you know get married have kids and you know cook pasta I don't know no it's true no actually (laughs) my father my father God bless him he loved us very much but he didn't even want us to go to college he was like what for they're gonna get married and have kids same here same here you know especially women at those times I know I, at one point, I, I wanted to be a doctor, and you know, my father would say, "You're not going. You can't be a doctor. Maybe you can be a nurse." Oh. And, and so it's just that just was a mentality. You can't blame them. You know, he was. I, I loved him. He loved me, yes, but yeah. just didn't really. It was the way they thought. They didn't get yeah, how didn't we were. Yeah, yeah. It's generational, I think. But um, so moving on with uh, your your whole life and music and dance, your whole life is basically is surrounded on being creative and flourishing that way and expressing yourself one way or another, either as an actress, a dancer, a producer, a philanthropist. It's, it's, so my question is, what do the arts do for you if you really had to sum it up? And then we'll get into the whole acting thing. Well, I, I always use this quote from Picasso who says, the arts wash away the dust from daily life. Oh, that's So I, I, I just feel, you know, they just, they make everything better. You know, I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but, but so simply they make me, it makes me feel better. It makes mm-hmm. me feel better not only when I do it, but when I see other people doing it. Yeah. I just, and I think it also shows people at their, their, their truest self. You know, I think that you can't, if you're a, a really true and great artist, I don't think you can really hide your soul and your heart from people. So no, I love that part of it. You have to scrape away the yeah. onion and you have to show really the, the the beauty, but also the rawness. You have to show everything yeah. because that's when you're unique. I think no matter what artistic vehicle you, you we're talking about, 
then it shows the human, the unique human being underneath. Exactly, and I think that's the, the humanity of it. The, you know, the fact that you get to see the, the, the truth of people and the soul of people. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I know you and I share a love of Cassavetes. Oh God, yes. And I saw a quote um, that I think you might have mentioned before, but I'll, I'll bring it up for for the listeners. And it's um, no matter how old you get, if you can keep the desire to be creative. You're keeping the man-child alive. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I think that's beautiful because part of, part of I think, the wonder of being able to create, and I think, by the way, everyone's creative, don't you? I, I do. I just think that sometimes it hasn't been awakened in people or they don't feel they have permission to do it. Right, the permission. Yeah. But I think when it, if you can maintain that childlike quality, that sense of innocence, at least when you are in the zone, so to speak, that's when, I think that's when we're talking about flourishing. That's when you find contentment too. Yeah, I, I agree because it's it's all it's playing. You yeah. know, it's you know that's why I think they call it a play. Yeah. Um, you're, you're you should be enjoying it. Mm. You know, and I think that you can throw away all of the other stuff in life when you're in that moment when you're you're doing that thing, whether it's dancing, singing, acting. Um, painting, whatever it is, I, I think that, that you are, like I said, at your truest self, which mm-hmm. is the self that you were born as. Right, right. Um, so it's to, to segue into the whole acting, because you're a wonderful actress, and you've done a lot. Uh, you've played a lot of really interesting roles. One of them um, was Anna in Burn This, which is an incredibly complicated, challenging role. How did you... How did you approach that one? Well, um, I felt, oh, this is going to be easy for me because Anna is a, a, a dancer and choreographer, but the, the play isn't really about that. Um, it, you know, the play is about loss and, you know, she finds love with a very crazy and unexpected character. So I, I, I really felt that I had experienced all those things as all of us do. And I just really used that. You know, well, that's how you, know, you find the commonalities, and then yeah, I mean the, the dance thing. I mean, I think that helped me with the physicality of her, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the unexpected, crazy characters. Well, that's you know what my life's been full of. So, and that, and I enjoy them, uh, and 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 the loss. Of course, I you know experienced some losses relatively young. You know, my I was very close to my grandmother. She passed away quite young. My father passed away quite young. People oh. that were the two people that was probably the close, probably the two closest people, you know, when I was growing up. And um, so that, you know, that that stayed with me. And I think I was able to, you mm-hmm. know, to tap into that. Well, you've also had a lot of your own theater companies. You were you have, I think you had one company and, and now you have, you know, Renegade that I'm involved with. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And- We're so happy you work with us. Are you kidding? It's an honor. Um, I had a, a company called Without Papers, which was, was started by three Italians in WOP. We were called WAPs in the old <laughs> days. So that, and, and Without Papers is where, is what oh, is the acronym for, for WAPs. That's I mean, right. I didn't, because we I didn't come that. into the country without papers. Right. So I don't know who can, I think, I, I don't think I was clever enough to come up with the name, but one of my partners did. And I started the, the theater company with people that I was in acting class with, because we'd say, you know, we're, we're auditioning, we're not getting enough jobs, we're not working enough, let's start our own thing. And we did. And, um, you know, we did some very successful plays. We did, um, we did Golden Boy. Oh. Um, we did Simpatico by Sam Shepard. We did a lot of Tennessee Williams, which is my love. Your love. And um, yeah, so we just started on our own because we thought, you know, we're not getting the work elsewhere. We're going to make our own work. And you were you were Blanche, weren't you? Yes, I, I, I play Blanche, Blanche, but, you know, not in New York City because, as, as you know, you can't know, do those. very difficult. Very difficult to get rights to do those plays unless you're, you're casting a huge movie star or a huge Broadway star in it. Right. But, you know, Blanche is... My favorite character, and you know, I do relate to her on, on, on many, many levels. Yeah. You know, Tennessee is like one of is probably my favorite, but um, I have the roles of Tennessee that I know are my dream roles. But you know what? All the role I also see you as Marguerite in Camino Real. Have oh, you ever? Yeah. I, I have not done that, but I, I am very familiar with it. I think one day you have to do her. Okay, she's a challenge. Yes. 
Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and, and as you get older, I mean, I played Blanche when I was younger, and I think I could, I'm, I may be too old really to play her now, but mm. I think I could play her better than, than I did then. No, because I don't think you, I think you still can do Blanche. But, Definitely. Yeah, but you know, it's funny as as you get older, you find more things that you can use. Obviously, you yeah. have more experience and and, and wisdom. What, you yeah. hope. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I know a lot of young actresses. You know, you're 15 years old, and you say, "I want to be Blanche." You know, and and when you're 15, it's Blanche is going to be different than when you're like 35 or a- 45. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, it's, it's very different. But you're you're a true lover of you believe in learning about the classics. I, I do. I mean, I, I just was always very attracted to that. When when I was uh, a bit older, after I stopped dancing, I went back, to, I went to college. I never went to college because I, I just went immediately in, into dance and always wanted to. I always, I always really liked being in school, which is mm. a weird thing. And I, um, I studied, I, I went to college to study writing and I ended up in the theater department. I ended up being a split major and I, I studied in particular Shakespeare and, you know, all of the, all of the classics. I, I did tremendous work on, I mean, not tremendous in, in the quality of my work, but I, a tremendous amount of work mm-hmm. on Shakespeare mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, performing, script analysis, all of that stuff. And of course, all the Ibsen, Strindberg. And I, I just love, you know, because I, because I think that's where a lot of modern theater really comes from, sure. you know, yeah. and, you know, there are always those influences and, and, um, you know, I, I love material that comes from another time also. I just think it's so romantic and, and interesting. It is, yeah. What would your favorite role, what would be one of your favorite roles for Shakespeare? Um, I love Desdemona and, mm. and Othello. Um, I, I I did play Juliet when I was way too old to play her. Um just because it was a college thing and they didn't care about my age when they, when they were casting me, but uh, cause I had danced the role of Juliet. So I felt that I knew it. And then I got to act it. And again, I was way too old, but, but I, I really enjoyed that first love going back to that. Well, now I'm jealous, you know, because when I wanted to be Juliet, you know what I was cast as? Lord Capulet. <laughs> Not the nurse, though. I, no, <laughs> Lord Capulet. Lord Capulet. Welcome, gentlemen and ladies, and on we go. <laughs> so this was the opposite of all men playing the women's roles. This was women playing the men's roles. Well, the thing is, when I was younger, I I shot up before everyone else, although I stopped. Like it, I then I stopped. So now I'm just kind of average five mm-hmm. four, but and I was the tallest one in the class. <laughs> I was twelve years. This little budding, you know, female, twelve years old. She gets cast as Lord. Oh, Capulet. I love that. <laughs> Oh, and I also loved, of course, Lady, you know who. Yes. Uh, Macbeth, you know, that's yeah. just the killer yes. role of all roles. That would so. be a good one for you, too. Yeah. 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 Right now, I think role. I could do that and yeah. have fun with it. Mm. So uh, we were talking about favorite playwrights and all, but I was also doing research, and I saw you on YouTube, and I wasn't aware of this, and it was wonderful, uh, touching, poignant uh, rendition by the at the UN. Oh God, that was incredible! It was it was done at the UN on uh, the day um, I can't remember what what day of the I think it's usually in October to end violence against women. And this wonderful Italian writer who is also a very big promoter in Italy, Serena Dandini, had written this. Well, she didn't write this. A lot of the stories are, are I think most of the stories are true, but she wrote or collected. Um, a whole series of monologues of women who have been killed by their lovers or husbands. And Very the monologues were, were written from behind. It's sort of like Spoon River Anthology mm-hmm. where they're written from, from the grave. Mm-hmm. And um, she would go around the world and, and get, you know, well-known actresses, but also um, different public figures, maybe female writers, female athletes. And she'd gather a group of them to do a performance of this. And she would go all over the world doing it. And uh, the UN asked her to bring it to New York, and I don't know why, but I was asked to do it. I, I was after it been on Soprano, so but maybe she had known me from there. I think that might have been it. And um, it was one of the most incredible experiences of, of, of my life. I, I really, I would love to take this piece and perform it. It would have to be, you know, translated from Italian because the script is in Italian, and mm-hmm. she had translated us for us, obviously. But it's still a project that I really want to do. I th- and I, I would love you that you would, you would be in it if uh, if we could get this but going. But you know, when I saw it, I, I mean, I wasn't aware of it. Uh, I, I mean, we've been friendly for, what, six, seven years now, but I don't go 
online researching people that are friendly with, you know? Neither do I. And it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of press about it. It was just a really incredible day. You know, we spent the whole day at the UN going to conferences. We did the performance. They did a dinner for, I mean, it was very, very lovely. Yeah, and and uh, I will I will never ever forget that. And I it, think it's always topical, and, and unfortunately, I think it's a timeless topic when you're talking about women in absolutely. various cultures being uh, used and abused, so to speak. And I thought when I saw that again, it was very t- very well done. Oh, thank you. It was you know we had no rehearsal. We went in a room. But 10 you're minutes. an instinctual actress. I've seen you. You just take you well, take the material. Ten minutes and before you go we had it. to go out there, we sat in a room and read them for the first time. And I thought, well, you know what, it is what it is. And and it was good in a way because I think had I had time to really think about it, I would have cried through the the entire piece. It was it was difficult to get through it. That's what I'm saying. But I think yeah. that would make a wonderful film if they could almost broaden out the whole everybody or at least choose some of people's experiences. Yeah, and create like a they have movies like that. I don't know if there's a movie term where you have the theme and then you explore different, like almost like short stories or vignettes. Right, right. That and I, I saw that like an, I, anthology an anthology type thing. Yeah, Is that, yeah, yeah. And no, it, it it would be great. You know, it could be expanded upon or it could be performed as is. And it's, mm. it's so effective. Yeah. I mean, people it's in the wonderful. audience were, were really moved by it, and, and I was very proud to be a part of it. So kudos on many levels for being a oh, part well, of that. Uh, it was an honor for me. Yeah. And um, I was – you've also, of course, you brought up – we, we have to talk about The Sopranos. Okay. Gabrielle Dante. First of all, I loved you as Gabrielle Dante. <laughs> Is it Gabrielle or Gabriella? Gabriella. Gabriella. And you were just so – Mob wife. It was perfect. Well, I mean, that's what 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 I did. You know, I grew up around so did I women so like that. <laughs> and um, I know the other women on the show, uh, and a lot of people have said this to me. Well, well, you weren't tough like the other women. And I thought, well, my intention when I went on the show was to play her the way I knew these women that I grew up with because they they still do exist. You can be tough. And steely soft. Exactly. See, that's what I, that's what I think is there was there's steel underneath, but people even like when when they say, "Oh, you're going to portray a lawyer, and they have to be a certain way." It's like, well, no, I I know a lot of lawyer female yeah. lawyer, and they're they're that's a stereotype. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think you should show your cards all the all the time. And also, I played Silvio's wife, and Silvio was a throwback character. I mean, he was a guy who was very much stuck in the 50s, you know, the pompadour hairdo and the suits. And the. And I thought the wife that he would have would not be what you would call the modern Italian-American no. woman. No. Uh, so I, I played her, I played my sister kind of, you know, in a way. And, yeah. and, um, and, and that was, you know, had I been given situations where I had to be, you know, tough and rough, yes, I would have well, done it. But it's just it. It's multidimensional. If you, like yeah. you said, if you had been given a script where the, that facet of her personality had to step up to the plate. Right. It would have you happened. Would have. It yeah. would have I happened. mean, there was one episode where I had to tell the priest off, the annoying yeah, priest. Right. And, and I did it. But, but I didn't do it in a rough and tough way because I didn't think that she had that in her. So then that's a choice. Yeah. And that was my choice. And... You know, I, it it was what I had to do. You know, maybe if I had did it again now, I would do it entirely differently. But, well, but that was what I felt at the time. I don't believe in regrets. Don't, I don't believe don't in second guess in going back. You, yeah. you can't. You know. No, um, I know people have said uh, the wardrobe. Oh <laughs> the my wardrobe. God. Now, did you did you have say in that? Or I mean, it was a great wardrobe. I, I mean. I dress like that still sometimes, so I don't. What can oh, I say? Definitely, I. I, I mean, it, I'm no, a Bronx girl. <laughs> we did. I mean, I, I enjoy that clothing. You yes, know, so I, do I. I really, I think it's fun. And and like I said, my sister dresses like that still. I'm a couple of my sisters, the two who live in New Jersey, do, and, and I think it's just fun. But um, we had a, this great designer, Juliet Polsha, who. Um, just found the perfect things, and she would have us come in, and, and she really did care about what we liked and what we felt comfortable in. And, you know, do you like this color, Maureen? Or, you know, do, do you want to wear a short skirt? Do you want to wear... Oh, I mean, that's nice. If they were very, very solicitous of, of what we felt comfortable in. I, I, uh, yeah, I think that's important. 
no matter where you stand in, in, in the series and how it unfolds, because sometimes you go on set or, you know, preset and they, and wardrobe comes and they just put you in something and you have to accommodate your comfort level to whatever is being given you. Exactly. People don't realize that. Exactly. You know, look, if it's, look, if I had to play a stripper, I'd be wearing something I probably am not really comfortable in, but I, I, I would make it work. But in, in this situation, it was just like, I know who I'm playing. I know. I'm going to maybe look ridiculous, and I know that that Gabrielle. But I don't is, think you looked ridiculous. That's I my think point. Her yeah. wardrobe was more over the top than some of the other women because she was married to the flashy guy and and all that. And I totally enjoyed it. And I would say, Julia, I'll, I'll wear like the craziest thing that you can find. No, I, I, mean, I don't my, care. Like, no. go crazier. Well, my my next question was going to be, did you get to keep any of it? Because yes. I would want to keep that wardrobe. That was a great wardrobe. Absolutely. What what they would do at the end of every season is they would, and they did this with Sex in the City also, which was great. And I would try to get into those sales, but they had already taken the good stuff and there was nothing left. <laughs> but they, we would sell the, the wardrobe for charity. Oh, and But okay. we, the actors would be able to go in and buy, and you know, we, they would charge us $10 for sure. something. So And it was all for charity. So we were happy to do it. So I bought everything I could from my wardrobe. And then at the end, they just gave us stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the series, they just said, come in, well, what what, whatever right? you yeah. want, take it. And uh, hey, and that was it. And there was only one suit that I really wanted that I didn't get because they said they were putting it, giving it to the Smithsonian. I don't know if it was ever displayed, but All right, I, now, now I, I, I still want quest. that damn suit. Yeah. I'm going to have to go to the Smithsonian when the, what is it, the Magnolia trees are in blue. Right. Go, I don't think it's on Washington. display there, but I think they donated what, you know, what, yeah. what they thought were maybe the quintessential alphas for mm-hmm. all the characters, and I doubt Gabriella is being represented there. But anyway, that suit's there, and I want it back if they're not using it. <laughs> Do you hear that, Smithsonian? We want it back. That's right. That's right. Uh, so after the Sopranos, and you just went to Sopranos Con. That must yes. have been nice to meet all of these fans who still just are such fans. Yeah, I mean, it it was kind of scary for me because I, I didn't know what to expect. And I thought it might be really crazy. And I thought also there are going to be actors there who had bigger and more important roles. And I thought, well, I'm just going to kind of be sitting there all day doing nothing. But the fans were so enthusiastic and, and, and really so lovely. I couldn't believe it. I was I was really touched by it because some of them would come up to your table and they have tears in their eyes and say, I can't believe I'm meeting you. And I'm thinking, you're crying over meeting me. That's very strange. But but it was really very sweet and very touching. They, they were very lovely people. I, I just pictured something entirely different. I thought it was going to be all these <laughs> people out of control. <laughs> but it, it was a really interesting experience. No, that's great. And I think it also just all of this ties into the whole theme of flourishing, I think, because you're acting, you're pursuing roles. And part of flourishing is also feeling appreciated by others for what you contribute. And that that was a wonderful, I think, venue that perhaps was a surprise, but then you, you find the love that comes back to you. And so again, it's creating, because I'm all, you know this, I'm, I'm into like, let's create wonderful life experiences that we can remember. Absolutely. We don't need to buy the designer handbag. We can, we can by the designer memory, so exactly. To speak. That that's so true. I, I always say to people, I'd rather have a memory or an experience than a gift. Yeah, yeah. Because that is a gift. So, but uh, but it, it was really nice, and it was something that I thought about, and I and I thought I'm not going to do this. It's it's too weird. And then I thought, no, you know, I was part of the show, and I I think that it's the right thing to do. I think, and, it was. and I was I was happy that I got to meet all these people. I thought it, they were lovely. Yeah, it it looked like it was a fantastic. Uh, I mean, somebody said to me. Because I, I mean, I had like two lines on one episode of The Sopranos. So talk about minuscule in 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 the anthology or whatever you want to call. It. But you know, every and line was important because um, those, those writers. I mean, you couldn't say one word that was off from what was written. So it was so carefully and beautifully written. So well, look, that's how I got my SAG card. That was my first primetime TV gig. So well, me too. I was, I was, yeah. So I was thrilled. Can I just tell you? Can I segue and tell you a funny story? Of course. I didn't plan to, but we could always cut this out. No, no, no. So I get the role, right? And to get the role, you get the call back and I have to cry hysterically. And I walk into these like two little line part and there are like 30 people in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I get the part. I'm all excited. Now, this is like the big deal. Right. And then the day before or two days before I get a call and I'm asked to be the understudy for my role. 
the the stand-in. Strange. Not understudy. The stand-in. The stand-in. The stand-in. Thinking theater. The stand-in for my role. So then I freak out. I'm like, well, but I have the role. <laughs> so, That's strange. So then, of course, me being me and such a positive human being, I hang up the phone crying hysterically, calling my husband. Oh, I would saying, be as well. I think I've been misplaced. <laughs> Not misplaced. I've been replaced. You know, replaced. <laughs> I was like freaking out. So what happened? What, what, was it? So it, it was a big mistake. It was just a big it was mistake. A big mistake. But I oh, was, how awful. I was a mess. I was, uh, of course, you know, that was, that's been a long time ago. So I, I don't think I'd have the same reaction to it. I think I'd be a little bit more savvy. But, and no. he said to me, because he always kind of, he's my rock. He said, did you call your agent and ask? I was like, no. <laughs> It's especially after going through that audition process because I know what it was like. They had every single person involved with the show in in that room, you know. For, yes, they did, and, and it was daunting to walk in that that room and and to get it after going through that kind of high level stress experience. It was uh, it was like oh, I can breathe again, and yes. then to get that phone call must have been very <laughs> disconcerting. But anyway, back to you. But back you did you. it, so I great. Did it, yes, so. Um, and you also were on uh, Lilyhammer, which was one of the first major shows on Netflix. Yeah, it was success. Actually, the first was it the first scripted series on Netflix. Of course, I was in that purely nepotism because um, oh, my husband, uh, you know, wrote and uh, co-wrote and um, starred in it. And um, they needed somebody to play his ex-wife in a couple of episodes uh, in New York, which was appealing to me. Oh, I was going to ask you, did you, if you went to Norway? I never or... went to Norway. Oh, you did I never went to Norway the whole time he was shooting over there because I can't stand the cold. And he was always shooting in the, in the winter because yes. they wanted the snow. Yeah, they no, wanted to have all there. those terrible weather conditions, even though it's a very peaceful kind of snow there, not the same as the dirty <laughs> New York snow. But anyway, I never went there. But he said, um, you know, would you like to, to play my ex-wife? And again, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Is this too much? I already played your wife. It's weird. And he said, well, you know, it's in New York. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. And it was fun, you know. I, hey, you I just did him, two episodes. No, yeah. I loved it. There's one episode where you're, you know, you're in your bedroom, I think, and you're on when I'm on the phone you, with him. And you're yeah. on the phone with him, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, what do you want now?" And I said, "That's just so typical of a marriage. If you've been married a long time, that's how you speak to one another sometimes." Exactly. <laughs> and I was his ex-wife, but we we stayed friendly. And and well, funny thing, a funny line in, in that uh, particular scene was that I, I got to say. Oh, this is just like a Sopranos episode because he had asked me to get involved in some, you know, one of his schemes is one of his gangster schemes. And, and, and it was funny. So it was kind of almost a campy thing for me to do. And it was basically the same character, same hairdo, same wardrobe fun. and all that hey, stuff. Look, and it was fun. We, I we all sometimes get typecast, right? I mean, exactly. I'm always typecast as the blue collar Italian. So what the hell? Yeah, You're an the, expert at you it. You know, and it was fun. I thought no pressure. I didn't have to audition for the part. <laughs> I'll just go in and have fun. I got to be in a scene with Bruce Springsteen acting. In, in the last uh, episode, yeah, and I thought yeah. this that is was, that was pretty gruesome uh, uh, scene, but he was great, he and was great. and it yeah. was just fun to you know work with Tony Sirico again from Sopranos. So it was kind of like a little family reunion, and it, it was fun. It wasn't wasn't a high pressure thing because I, I I put myself through a lot of angst whenever I do any kind of acting role, and this one was pretty pretty relaxed and, and and fun. Well, you really put your heart and soul into every role. I know um, I'll just quickly mention like you're in Good and Screwed and I saw you do your research and you really put your heart and soul into it. So you're, you make sure that when you come on set, you're, some actors just like kind of come on set and don't, you know, they just say their lines or what have you. And, and you do your research and you know everything and you're on time and, and you, you just, you bring a presence to it, and and it's wonderful because you give back to the actors who are acting with you, so that everybody's really in the scene. Oh, well, and some actors don't do that. Oh, listen, I I know we we both know that from from working on stage yeah. and in film. And but thank you, thank you for saying that. It's really it's really nice to hear. But I I think that. Um, you know, you owe that to yourself. You owe that to the, the writers. You owe that to the creators of the show. And you, in this case, is wonderful writing. And, you know, I immediately, I, I knew exactly who she was from the way you wrote it. And, and the people that you're working with, I mean, I, I feel these things are, are ensemble efforts. 
you know, you don't go out there and just worry about yourself, although we both know that many actors do that. But it, it's more rewarding when you are act, you're part of a team. Yeah, that's the whole and, idea about you know, ensemble. I'm only as good as my partners are in the scene. And they're only as good as I am. You know, I think that we have to give to each other. We have to support each other. Well, I think I think that creates an energy that's that's on set is when everybody knows that they're there for each other. Yeah. I, I don't know if the audience may not even realize it, but there's there's an energy then that happens and yeah. things happen because everyone feels safe and everyone's just creating. Yeah, and I, and I relating think, and right, listening. And, and I think you're cheating yourself if you go in and you're not prepared and you just think, Oh, I'll just learn these lines and I'll go in and do what I do and and that's it. I just think, you know, if you're gonna do it, do it all the way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, to be, I was lucky to be, you know, asked by you to be in this because it's well, uh, it's it's beautiful, beautiful work and uh writing and and uh again another honor for me. Thank you. But so with The Sopranos, I think what was great about that is you've talked about, and it ties into just life experiences, is is what you came away with. It's like you have some really good friendships now as a result of that. You know, yes. Almost like your family. Yeah. 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 I, um, I would say my my two close friends that I came out of The Sopranos with are Vincent Pastor and, and uh, Bobby Fanaro. Mm. And we've, you know, we've stayed friends since I wasn't really friendly with, with Vinny on the set. Well, first of all, he left in the second season and I came in in the second season. Oh. So we didn't really, you know, interact. But over time, I, I, I don't know how we kind of just found each other and ended up working together. And Bobby, I became friendly with on set. Okay. You know, he was sort of, the, you know, the new guy. And um, we just started talking one day, hit it off. And, and, you know, I still love those guys and work with those guys. And uh you know, I was really happy I came away with, with, with that from the show. Well, I, I know them too. They're, they of are, course they're you really do. Good. I, I know you've worked, guys. <laughs> you've worked with both of them, and we're all a family now. Yeah. And you also, um, you teach acting. You you co-teach at HB Studios, and I've witnessed it, and you're you're just so uplifting, and you create a safety net, and you give really incisive feedback to these actors and that's i think that's important and you're enjoying it too right oh yeah i, I love it you know I, I love working with young artists you know whether they're dancers or, or actors or musicians even though i'm not a musician i've worked with a lot of young musicians on things um i i just think you know from having studied you know done acting classes as i'm sure you have there have been some teachers that have not been as supportive as as they could be and i think the role of a teacher is really really important it's to make you feel safe it's to make you feel that in that atmosphere you can do whatever you want you can risk doing something really stupid or crazy you can fall on the floor you, you can do whatever it takes to experiment to to reach you know your goal which your is goal. creating a character or, or making the scene work and, and i think if you don't feel safe, you're always going to hold back. Mm, and, I think you're right. And, you know, so I, you know, I'm lucky to, you know, teach the, the class with, with, with Vinny, who's, you know, created a, a great atmosphere. And, and it's just, um, it's very rewarding for me. It's rewarding to, you know, give people notes. And then the next week they come back and they've actually listened to what you said. And, and the scene is better and it works for them and they feel happy. And I, that, that's very rewarding to me. Mm. No, well, it's also, it's very giving. It's very generous. Yeah, so I feel like we, we've I've barely even touched on everything, but I do, oh, I did want to bring up some things because it's it's I think it's great advice as as you're such a role model and an icon for for women in their 40s and 50s and 60s and and I know you're a vegan and you're yes. a strong animal rights activist and you love animals and you, yes right? absolutely and so do, do you eat pasta. I do. You do. Now, it's, you know, pasta is not always vegan. It's, um, you know, you have to find the I ones. I had to ask. You know, lasagna is one of my favorite foods. So. Well, you know, I, I, I cheat sometimes with the pasta. Sometimes I, I will eat the regular one that I assume is made with a little bit of eggs or something. Uh, I really, really try my best to do it. Sometimes if you're traveling, you can't, you know, New York City, it's relatively easy or easier to, to get vegan foods, we can have chickpea pasta and artichoke pasta and things like that. So it's become a lot easier. But if you're traveling in the South or something, you're not going to get anything vegetarian even. So it's, it's tough, but it's, you know, it's now, a why, challenge. Why did you become a vegan? For, for health reasons? For philosophy? Um, for I, I never really liked eating meat even as a child. And it used to upset me when I would see like the body of the chicken on the table. Mm. 
and I would think about that's an animal that was killed. Right. You know, you know, in those days there was no awareness of that at all. And I just, you know, I ate what I was given by my parents and my grandparents and and and, and that was it. So, but but as I got older, I I just it, it was both. I felt better not not eating meat. And okay. I started not eating red meat. Then I eliminated the chicken. It, it sort of it was a gradual process. I was vegetarian for a long time and then in the 80s I went vegan, which was very early. And like I said, yeah, you, you couldn't like eat anything but tofu. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was really tough, but I, I stuck with it, and um, and now it's and a it lot easier. You, it keeps you very fit and healthy. Yeah, I mean, look, you can eat junk. I mean, I eat potato chips. I eat junk like that. That is vegan, but it's not really, really? <laughs> not really healthy. I've learned something. I eat today. vegan desserts. I eat vegan ice cream. I'm sure it's got a ton of sugar. I think sugar is the real enemy here, and and I would love to be able to get off that, but. Um, yeah, sugar's hard. I've been yeah, trying. It's, it's really tough. I think I can get it down to like, like only 20% of my diet as far as what it's in, what's in other right. foods. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't want to suffer. You know what I mean? It, it's the vegan diet now is very comfortable for me. And I actually do like that kind of food. But, you know, I, I just I can't eliminate every single damn thing, you know, yeah. so the sugar, uh, you know, it's I do it. It's, I know it's not great for you. But and you and and you're a huge animal rights activist. I know you love animals, and you love your my your, my little Edie. Your yes, little Edie. I, I do love animals, and and just wish I could do more. It's a very very tough battle, you know. Yeah, animal don't animals don't have the rights that they should have, and it's again getting slowly better, but not there yet. So as far as flourishing, I'll ask one or two quick questions, and then I know we have to end it, but. Um, been kind of enjoying myself. Here. Yeah, this time, is fun. It was like a, like going out to lunch yeah. and, and and hanging. Well, out. that's the whole trip. That's the point. You know, you just sitting somewhere on your terrace. It's great, and you're a great interviewer, thank by the you, way. Thank you. Uh, and so you you travel. I know you love London. I do. And so my question, what and and I saw this great sexy photo of you and Stephen in Portofino. Oh, that was that's an older one, but. It's a goodie. That's yeah. a goodie. Yeah, I do. I love the Italian Riviera. I've been very lucky that I've married to a guy who has toured all over the world. So I've gotten to go to some great places I probably would not have been able to on my own, you know, you, or not sure as many anyway. You recommend it because that's also how one flourishes by exploring and traveling and learning different cultures. Exactly. And no, and I, I've been very, very lucky with that. So is, is England your favorite or would, which country or would you say, um, your, or city would you say? I, I would say London is my favorite. I did live there for a very sh- short oh, time in, okay. in the early 70s when it was more of a swing in London. It was right after the youth quake thing with the Beatles and all that, but it it was still a really great time to be there. I just loved, I always, the minute I went there, I felt completely at home. I have great friends who are British and I, you know, would go over there and I just feel like I could just stay here and, and, and I probably would, you know, okay. if, if my husband, he doesn't like the weather. But, <laughs> but I do, I also, I love Italy. I, you know, I love the, that Italian Riviera. I don't think there's anything more gorgeous yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And south of France, I, I love those places. And you know, I know people think that's very chichi and fancy, but no. it, it's not about the, the the glam or glitzy part of it. It's, it's just the there's something so beautiful. You know, it's a peaceful, relaxing. You know, you're surrounded by by beautiful things to, to look at. And I mean nature. I don't mean I know. You know, diamonds and palaces and all that. No, stuff. I know. It's just um, it it, it just really it, it just takes you away from you know the craziness of, of the world. Well, I want to uh, promote your podcast that you do with oh, Josh Ricardo, which you've been Gap a guest Nation. on. Yes, but it's really fun. And we, we didn't get to touch upon, I was going to ask you, but we really don't have time. But you do some great impersonation impersonations. Oh, well, we, we've kind of stopped that because I died. You know, I said, you know, it's all turning into the same person. So, <laughs> so. So, but um, it's fun. But I wanted to plug that everyone. It's Thank a wonderful, you so wonderful much. podcast. Thank you. And um, so I think we'll we'll kind of wrap this up a bit, unfortunately. Aww. But uh, I did want to just give a quote from a Tennessee Williams, what Blanche says, because I think... I'm very happy to hear that. I think it <laughs> embodies you. I don't want realism. I want magic. Magic. Yes. So we want to thank you for making the world, through all of your philanthropy and everything that you do, a more magical place. Oh, thank you. With that, that is the quote from Blanche that I love the most. So you, you really, you, you know me. Yes, I try. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm creating magic, but that is what 
I, I, I would love to happen in the world. So uh, we usually close. We, we sometimes close, we, we do close with a book recommendation, but you want to know something? I think based upon this conversation, when we talk about the arts and all, I think we'll just propose that everyone try to read Tennessee Williams. That's what we're, that's the book recommendation. It's our play recommendation. Yeah. I mean, because in his plays, there is poetry, there, there are stories, there, there's everything. So yes. I, I would absolutely recommend. And him. we, and we ask uh, a few questions. So, uh, quickly, what, what excites you now? What excites you? Um, anything create, doing anything creative. And I, and I think the thing that most excites me now is, is teaching people. Okay. Well, you're a great teacher. You should continue with that. Well, thank you. And is there anything that like steams you and annoys you just quickly? Oh God. Um, I mean, people that are, are judgmental. I, I just hate someone just looking at someone and making a, an opinion ba- based on a, a very quick encounter that that really really upsets me of course anything any cruelty to animals you know there are a number of things i'm pissed off every day so <laughs> I, I could go, go on and on and if you had to give any advice to women over 40 between 40 and 105 what would you what would you say to them in order to continue to flourish in their lives i i think that every decade of your life, every year of your life, you're going to learn something new and you're, you're going to be a, a better person and, and a, a more evolved person. And I think that you just have to not quit anything you're doing and, and mm-hmm. also um, tackle new things, you know, go take a course, learn Italian, go, you know, see some movie you wouldn't normally see, uh, go ice skating. You know, I, I just think that you have to continue to do things that, that, that expand your, your horizons and, and, you know, also to, to really spend time with the people that you love as, mm-hmm. as you get older, I think that that circle becomes smaller and smaller, either because of unfortunate circumstances or just not wanting to put up with the, the bullshit. Right, right. <laughs> if I can say that. No, um, you can. We, and, we, we've cursed and, on this and, show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that, that's really it. I think as you get older, you, you know, yes, it, it, it's not easy to see yourself aging. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I, I don't wish that I, looked like I did when I was 20. But on the other hand, um, I, I don't think I would I would go back. I think that, you know, you are who you are. And I think you have to be happy. Well, I think with first of you all, are. you're still beautiful. So oh, don't don't underrate yourself in any way. And um, I think character shows on people's faces. And when someone has character, there's, there's a, a an incandescent beauty that that happens. Absolutely. And so I I think you're gorgeous. So there you go. Oh, thank you. Um, and so, Maureen, thank you again. Well, thank so you for having me. This you, was so much fun. If you want to join me in our motto. Absolutely. So please remember, kindness, kindness counts. counts.